Hey, my guest today has a quiet but interesting career path from surf guide to whitewater rafting guide to hydrologist to now insect-eating entrepreneur. Pat Crawley has always been driven by his passion to ensure a more sustainable water future. After a year of hitchhiking through Mexico and Central America, Pat Crawley returned to the U.S. and received an M.S. in watershed hydrology. Intending to use his education towards solving global water dilemmas, he witnessed in his travels. Now, his concern for our water future here at home increased as he observed the disproportionate or disproportionate rate of water consumption versus the availability. After some time working in public water planning agencies, Pat decided to address the issue on a consumer level and co-founded Chapool. Now, this was back in 2012. Today, Chapool is the maker of the award-winning original cricket bar. I'm going to find out award-winning. Hopefully, I won't forget that. But who who gave an award? But an original cricket bar, award-winning original cricket bar, and it was a successful graduate of the TV show The Shark Tank, where he was funded by Mark Cuban. So he joins us today to discuss the importance of sustainable business. He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, so the first question, first of all, I get it. Okay, it makes sense to me. I I get this. But but seriously, a a company that's made from basically a product that's made from bugs. I mean, how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, it's a a pretty long story to tell the entirety of it. But basically, I had a career in water planning, trying to figure out essentially where we're going to get our water from in the future. And, And from that perspective, it's we need some large scale changes to our food and, and water supply. Um, so it was, it was from that frame that I was looking through when I came upon insects as a, as a very efficient form of food to raise, to use a fraction of the water resources that our yeah. current protein does. And it, it just makes sense. I've done a fair amount of world traveling. I've seen people eat insects all around the world. And it's really, when you, when you look at it from that perspective, it's actually pretty silly. Bobby don't eat insects here. Yeah. So it, it just, it just made sense, and it was about time. People have been talking about it for decades, but the conclusion statement from all these academics and all these food scientists was, well, people aren't ready for it. Well, Americans culturally won't accept it, and I decided to just to challenge that notion. And, well, you know, first of all, we can go off this whole water thing, which I absolutely agree. I mean, I, that's why I live out way out in the country where I am next to a water source with wells and, I, I mean, everything. So I'm self-sufficient from that perspective. Not not that I'm this, uh, what, what do you call those bunker guys? I don't know what the, the survivalist or not the survivalist, but the doomsday prepper. Oh, preppers. And yeah, I'm not a prepper. By preppers, yeah. yeah. I'm not right. one of those guys. Although I could be confused for one of those guys from time to time. But it, I, I've always said... You know, the biggest uh, resource that we've got in the world is water, and which we all, I think, would agree to that. And it's the one that we squander the most. And, two, it's going to be the one of the most valuable. It's going to be more valuable than oil in the future, quite frankly. Um, that's just my own two cents. But, yeah. you know, as you go ahead. You were going to add something to that? Yeah. Yeah. There, I think there's a lot of people in your position as far as thinking that they're self-sufficient. But the, the reality is, is you're not. you know, a lot of yeah. groundwater wells are, are declining, yeah. and, and the groundwater is rapidly being depleted so none of us are 
immune to these global impacts that come all of us are facing in the future. Yep. So yeah, no, I, there, I, there, there's solutions that require all of our attention. Well, and it's got to be a collective effort, right? I mean, it's got to be like everybody's just, hey, wake up, smell, in this case, smell the bugs, right? Um, (laughs) I mean, mean, that's really what it is. I mean, how did you come up with the idea? Is is it because you, I mean, I read a lot of your background, you know, rafting, whitewater, but you're a hydrologist and the things that you did there. And was it just when you were like walking through the Amazon or walking through Central America, walking through all these places, you said, hey, these other guys are doing it, I should do it, and then I can make a a business from this? Um, you, you know, actually, the real catalyst was a, a TED Talk that I was listening to. I, I love TED Talks as, as inspiring ideas. And I was listening to one on the way to work, and it was from a Dutch professor that was talking about insects and how it was a very viable solution to a lot of these global food supply issues. And that was really kind of what planted the seed. And then I just looked at all the data behind them on, on the efficiency of raising them, the, the feed to biomass conversion ratios, and, and the nutritional aspects of them. And it was just a no-brainer. I said, well, we have to have this in our food supply. And my, my thought was that we need to reverse engineer the supply chain. Um, we have so many market forces that drive our environmental impacts aren't necessarily thought out in advance. It's just whatever happens to be marketed the best. And so I, I thought it just needed a, a marketing appeal at the consumer level that would then drive a pull-through demand to create more efficient and sustainable agricultural industry. So it's kind of start from the top and, and work its way backwards. You know, you know, Pat, I got to tell you, I'm sitting here listening to, talk, to listen to you, and I'm just, just one, totally impressed. Two, I'm sitting thinking this is not what I was expecting when I was going to get you on the ra- on the, on the <laughs> Seriously, I thought I was going to get some guy in a, a pot smoking guy. You still might smoke that in some states; it's very legal. But you know, I thought I was going to get this kind of hippie dude because you got a little bit of that vibe going on on the websites and and the stuff I see. And I didn't think I'm going to get this guy who's like speaking with lots of words with lots of syllables. So what would <laughs> I, you're not the first person that has told me I've thrown them off. I, I think that the long hair may do it. <laughs> well, you know, that, that sometimes throws us off, especially when we're thinking about these kinds of things. I mean, it just seems far-fetched. So when you say these conversations are going on, I'm just like, really? There's like, Is there like a trade show for this? Is there like a, um, a convention where people are talking about, okay, uh, what's the best bugs? You know, what's the best way to raise them? Thing. I mean, there's got to be something like that going on, right? Yeah, that's that's funny you mention that. This year in Detroit, we had the very first insect protein industry conference, and there was um, how many people? Four hundred people. At Are this. you four hundred yeah, people? Four hundred people. Holy yeah. crap! Yeah, from all over the world. And they paid yeah. a fee to yeah. get in. They paid a fee. That's right. They <laughs> paid good money to be there. You know, it wasn't just people off the street that happened to wander in for free food. Was it? it was by the way, were, were the sessions were they were they, they exciting? Or were they quiet as crickets? Ha! No, it was a joke. All right, so it was a bad, bad joke. <laughs> no, they were very exciting, especially for someone as intimately involved as I am. <laughs> so you know, where did I mean? So you you sat around? Did, I mean, come on! I'm going to ask you this question too. This is kind of wild. But did you ever eat bugs when you were a kid? Uh, I did. I, I yeah. went to a Boy Scout camp at Philmont Scout Ranch. And I remember. Yeah. I think that was the first time that we ate we ate ants on yeah. the trail when we were out backpacking. Yeah, I, I that was the first time. And then, you know, traveling down in in Mexico, I ate chapulines, chapulines yeah. tacos. Uh, I ate uh, some 
methane worms and yeah it just kind of but it was always a novelty like yeah. a, oh I'm, i can't believe i'm doing this as an adventure or you know the, kind of the excitement the adrenaline of it was the main driver for doing it, it was never you know considering it a realistic food supply yeah let me take a quick break because I'm going to bring up my friends from Duncan. They're not, I don't know if they're, well, how they're going to feel about this. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to think, which coffee goes great with uh, cricket? I don't know. So, you know, <laughs> my guys at Duncan, they're another company which is part of Social Change, our friends at Duncan, which they're, they're really proud to be the first national brand to sell espresso beverages made from fair trade uh, certified espresso beans. Eh? So I wanted to bring that up today. I thought that was a, a good thing since we're talking about sustainable futures uh, to bring that into the mix. But my friends at Duncan, are, they make me happy. They make a lot of people happy. Um, you know, they're a company that's trying to do, make a difference, which is kind of nice. And um, we're talking about water. We're talking about lots of things that might go 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 dry. I hope it's not going to be uh, espresso because I need that. Do you drink coffee at all, Pat? I, I do. I have yeah. one in front of me. We, we actually have a coffee-flavored bar as well. Dark chocolate, coffee, really? and cayenne chili. Oh, yeah. man. I, well, we're going to talk about all those. And I, I just – and I've ordered them because I'm going to eat some. I'm going to eat some as part of our our lead-up to the promotion of this event. So I'm really looking forward to it. We, we got, I just sent somebody down to 56th Street down here in, in New York. Uh, they're, they're selling them there. But you, when we were talking oh, about – Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are talking who, – who's the, who's the retailer there? We might as well give them a shout-out. You know, a westerly natural market. Oh, there you go. Are they mostly sold in, in natural markets? Those kinds of places. They are. Yeah, it's a it's a really high quality protein. A lot of people that are focused on the the quality of their protein and, and getting away from soy and whey and the most receptive to the concept. Just really looking at it from a purely nutritional standpoint. So that mm-hmm. seems to be the best outlet for us right now. Yeah. Is there any national chains or anybody that's picked it up? Yeah, we're in we're in Sprouts, which is mostly in the West. Um, natural Grocers, uh, in kind of West and Central parts of the country, and then Publix is the other larger one. In the You're Southeast. in Publix. Those are the, in Publix. We're in Publix. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What about like Whole Foods? Uh, not Whole Foods. Not no. yet. Nah, well, man, there's always something. You know, you talk about eating bugs. I had a buddy. Uh, my 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 stepsister had a boyfriend who ate an ant, and it got caught on his lar- larynx. He, he drank, you know, you know, it's like one of those things where we're all sitting around and everybody's saying, hey, eat this, eat this. And finally, we put enough money on that thing. He grabbed a big carpenter ant and then ate it and it grabbed a hold of his larynx and it swelled up so bad we had to take him to the hospital. And they had to do no it. No kidding. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what we call it, a yeah. negative user experience. <laughs> a negative, yeah, <laughs> negative user experience. <laughs> do you, now, what do you do? Do you sit up at night dreaming this shit up or thinking that stuff up like that? I think I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, like, it's it's a uh, it's it's pure mental uh, sharpness and acuity from from cricket protein. Oh, there you go. Nice, 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 nice yeah. recovery. It's like one time I was selling, <laughs> marketing a, a business product, and I called it the color of the output of this printer. I said it's business color because it wasn't quite offset color. I said so it's business color, and someone said, "Why are you calling it business color?" I said, "Because shitty color doesn't sell as good." You know, so that's how we that's how I said, re- reworded it, just like that—a negative user experience or negative uh, yeah. enhancement. Hey, so um, when you all right, so what are the best bugs? Okay, so when we look at this, and and let, well, first of all, let's jump back into why we would do it. All right, I think uh, when I saw that, that, first of all, like crickets, which is the basic one that you're using, right, or are you using other bugs besides crickets? Yeah, so it, it's a 
it's a high quality protein, so it has all the essential amino acids, very complete profile, um, and very digestible, much more so than a lot of what we're currently eating. You know, a lot of our alternative protein options are soy-based, and it's mm-hmm. really high in phytoestrogens, especially for males, not the best thing to be consuming. Um, so it's, you know, there's a trend towards the paleo diet and, and getting yep. back, kind of back to the roots and, and de detecting, if you will, our food and just yeah. getting as, as basic as possible. And, as close and that, to natural. Right in line with that. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm in that mode myself and uh, where I'm just, look, I don't want to eat anything that's been manufactured, anything that's been processed. I want yeah. it as close to the ground as I possibly can. If it's got a little dirt in it, I'm okay with it. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I was what reading... We, what uh, we used to just call food. Yes. Now it has all these terms around it, organic. And all, yeah. It used to just be called food 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, which would be better. So, let, so yeah. when I when I'm reading about when I'm reading about your stuff, it's eight percent. It takes for crickets. They they it only takes them what eight percent of the of the food and water that's normally eaten up. But let's let's say let's take a cow or a, a pig or or something else that we get protein from meat. They only eight percent. I was reading, and another percent was they only give off one percent greenhouse gas. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Compared to uh, cattle, especially cattle, or cattle produce more methane gas, more greenhouse gas emissions than all of the transportation sector combined. Yeah, so it's a, a be, significant impact. I never would have. Uh, I never so, would have realized that crickets were flatulent at all. Well, barely. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point. Is that they hardly are. Yeah. I, I like that. That's good. That's a good. So. Um, but is it is it only crickets that you're using, or are you using other other insects? Yeah, right now uh, the only products that we have out are, are cricket based products. But we we certainly are experimenting with other uh, insects. There's there's ants and there's grasshoppers and there's mealworm um, and there's there's palm weevil. So we're we're experimenting with several large um, you know, research operations that are using agricultural byproducts, so the the waste stream of Things that we're currently throwing away, whether it's defective, kind of misshapen fruits and vegetables, or whether it's you know, corn husks and um, other other products from the agricultural industry that are currently going to waste, using that as the feed source for insects. And so there's there's a fair amount of research being done on what is the most optimal insects to be raising on a lot of these side streams to, to close the gap in a, a really inefficient food system where we we currently have about 40% waste our food system between agriculture between what gets thrown out of the grocery store and then what becomes what gets thrown out in our homes it, it, it accumulates about 40 percent waste so there's a tremendous amount of room for growth and improvement and the efficiency of our, our food and food conveyance yeah. that we we have room to grow in well it's uh, my it's mind-boggling when i start thinking about it so uh let me take another quick break i want to talk about uh, my good friends at SaneBox. number one complaint of business executives i don't know about you pat but for me it's too much email i get a ton of it hundreds and hundreds a day and for years i had a real problem until i found SaneBox. i found this company because i was looking for a solution something that could help me and i actually reached out to them and now they've become a, a sponsor and a, and a partner of us and they've freed up hours a day by just knowing what emails are important what it does is it it learns my emails over about it takes about three days that's what it took me and i drag and drop drag and drop certain emails that i get that i maybe don't want to look at or i want to look at later so i put it into a sane box or you know one of my boxes right there on my email that says for later 
or this is a newsletter, or this is a junk and I want to get rid of it, or this is a black hole. I never want to see the stuff again. And it learns that, but also it lets me tag people. So I can tag emails going out to people like one day or one hour or six hours or three weeks. And then if the person has not responded, it backs, it pops back up in my email to re- remind me that, hey, this guy never got back to me. So it's just been one of those really secret weapons. So if you're interested in getting this, it's a great executive must-have kind of tool and I, I, I sign up everybody in my company. It's only like 20 bucks a month, so it's not that big or expensive. But they got three different kinds of ways. They got a lunch, dinner, and maybe all-you-can-eat buffet kind of pricing. And you just go to www.sanebox, S-A-N-E-box.com, forward slash type in Hazlet, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, my name, or go to my website. You'll find it there. And, um, and you get a couple weeks for free just to try it out. Try it out. And if you don't like it, get rid of it. But I think you'll want to, and you'll thank me later. So that's my two cents on that. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. So, Pat, when I'm sitting here thinking, I'm trying to think, look, I, you know, I have a ranch in South Dakota. Uh, we, you know, we grow corn. We got a couple cattle down there. We got, you know, some other things, uh, horses. And, but I'm thinking, what's your cricket ranch look like? I mean, you know, how do you grow these things? You gotta be in, it's got to be inside, right? Uh, correct. Yeah, there, there are a couple outdoor operations, but those are in really tropical environments that have optimal growing conditions, which are, are fairly warm and fairly humid. And so if if it's not that natural environment, then they're raised indoors. And that's one of the advantages of them is you can raise them indoors and in urban environments, so you can raise them in these bins and, and stack them. Um, so it uses a lot less land per, per unit area per, per the output of per unit protein. How much, how many crickets you got to have for like a pound of flour? Yeah, it's a couple thousand for a pound of flour, and that's that's mainly because they're they're mostly water weight, just like most mammals are as well. Um, so we dehydrate them, slow roast them, and then we put them through a mill, and so they, they reduce down pretty to a fraction you, of their size. Yeah, like with some animals, though, you have to debow them, you have to you know gut them out. Do you have to do yeah. that with a cricket? We do, we yeah. do. Not not individually, we do it kind of in mass. How do you do that? Do you have a machine for that? No, it's uh, it basically if they don't eat for they're they're so small and they're so they're so quick at, at uh, digesting their feed that if if they're not fed within a certain amount of hours then it's completely cleaned out. Okay, so they've evacuated themselves, and so based on that, you know, they're empty. They've been I don't know uh, fasting for a period of time, and then you've got some clean. Exactly. You've got basically yeah. clean crickets. So then. I, but I'm also imagining, you know, do you, what do you have a large tub of these things? I, do you have a video like this on your website? I mean, I would love to see this kind of stuff. To me, this would be this would be fascinating. Yeah, uh, we we don't have a video of that necessarily on our website. I have a couple of images um, that I can shoot your way. But yeah, picture like a, a large cooler and take the lid off, and that's about what they use usually insulated box like that mm-hmm. and you, you actually don't even have to have a lid on them as long as they have a consistent feed supply because they it mimics their natural environment they like dark high density locations where they're you know in the natural environment they're crawling under rocks and yeah. whatnot and so as long as you have enough food and and things for them to crawl on there 
pretty content. They're they're happy. They're happy. Happy crickets. Happy crickets. Happy yeah. crickets. Good flower. What? What? So you know? Um, do you, do you, I mean, how does a person get started? Do you have like a wrangler, a cricket wrangler? I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to think of all the different things. I'm trying to like look at this like a cattle operation because it's 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 basically like the same thing, just a little different. Just happen to be crickets. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's probably a little more similar to poultry operation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they prefer the term ranchers, cricket ranchers, I think. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've been growing. That was one of the reasons why we started with crickets as the, as the insect of choice is that we've been growing insects in this country for decades. Yeah. Started out with a fish bait industry and then it was for reptile feed. And so now there's actually a, a big surge in, in, the growth of the cricket farming operation specifically for human consumption um, as the demand for them grows. But it's a, yeah, it's a decades old. There's several multi-generational farms in the U S and so that industry knowledge was already in place. The infrastructure was already in place. And so we could just utilize that to grow insects for slightly different uh, end use. And so what kind of crickets are used in the regular field cricket or is there a different type? Yeah, exactly. Brown cricket and, Akita domestica. Mm-hmm. We've experimented with a couple. There's about three or four different varieties grown in the U.S., and um, they all have a unique taste, and they have different kind of growing conditions, but uh, we settled in on the Akita. Okay, now I've never eaten a cricket. I've, I will tell you I've eaten grasshoppers, okay, and I've roasted them. I've tried <laughs> that, okay, but I've never done a cricket. So what do you, what would I expect if I you just said they have like the, there's three different kinds of cricket or four and they have different tastes? I mean, what would you what would you? It's like variety of wines. What, how would you how would what would it taste like if I ate one? Yeah, they're they're so efficient at turning feed into their biomass that they really their taste profile mimics kind of whatever they're eating. So they taste kind of earthy. Um, kind of like a sunflower seed mm-hmm. or like flax, if you've ever had flax meal. Yep. yep uh, flax. But, but that's actually one of the exciting opportunities in the industry is that you can start flavoring them based on their diet. So I, I know people that have been raising them on jalapeno peppers, and then you have a spicy cricket at the end. And so there's there's kind of room for fun manipulation like that. Well, they do that with honey. I mean, I'm, I'm, I have honeybees, yeah, exactly. and so I have a certain taste to our honey that's different than everybody else's because of what they what they pollinate and use. So, um, and it's like different different types of honey around the country. There's orange blossom. There's clover honey. I think clover is the best. But th- why wouldn't you just add that after afterwards? Or do you think it's better to come through that source? I mean, actually, quite frankly, I'm sitting here thinking, and I always like to have these kinds of conversations, like milk. Milk's a great example of that. If you weren't going through this uh, milk thing where you're going to a store and getting it, but you got it from right from the cow and you see it and you milk the cow, if they'd been eating dandelion greens, man, that, that milk is yellow. And it and it has a different taste than a, than a one that's been on some maybe some tall grass or something, some different kinds of grasses. So it's the same thing here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Do you do you? Take... Yeah, we're we're so used to having things in the grocery store be just an exact certain way every single time, and you know we want it to be that very sterile white, and we're so removed from actually seeing the cow produce the milk and seeing the grain grow from the field that we don't realize there is just a tremendous amount of variability in the natural environment that that should be represented in our food supply. And we should have it, quite frankly. I mean, different tastes and different things that, you know, it's just like water. Water tastes differently depending on where you drink it. Um, That's actually one of the main reasons for 
introducing insects is that my former background as a scientist was I, I measure the health of an ecosystem based on the diversity of the species within it. And so if we look at our food supply, our global food supply, our national food supply, the more diverse it is, the healthier it will be and the more robust and the more uh, readily it will be able to adapt to changes that come our way, whatever those may be in the conveyance system and a changing climate, whatever happens to, to come our way, we'll be able to adapt a lot quicker if it is more diverse. So my, my ancestors from Ireland had a, a very monoculture crop when we had a potato famine, and that's why I'm I'm in the United States today is because we relied on, on a monoculture crop, and, and we're kind of trending in that direction in the United States. We're getting rid of a lot of the diversity of our agriculture, and so introducing insects is a way to, to create a solution towards that trending towards a monoculture food supply. Let me. Uh, I want to talk the money, and as I t- think about the money, I want to m- remember my good friends at Liberty Tax. They're on board here at All Business. Liberty is one of the fastest growing uh, retail pa- tax preparation firms ever. Four thousand offices across North America, and by the way, it's a great seasonal business too. So hey, when you're you know you're running your uh, you're a cricket rancher and you want to take a break, you can also do some taxes on the side. And so that's a great tax prep firm. And uh, so don't forget to look at Liberty when you're looking for that. So how big is this industry? Are you, are you the biggest player in the United States doing this? Yeah, we, we are. Um, we were we were the first ones that started in 2012. Uh, so it, uh, it's a fairly early industry, very nascent industry still, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been rapidly growing, one of the faster growing in the food um, in the food market. So it's it's trending towards 100% growth every year, and, and we're looking at you know, several, several hundred million dollar industry just in the United States in the next five, 10 years. So that's still a, still a new new thing and still not yeah. mainstream, yeah. but it, you know, a couple hundred million is not bad, but it's not a huge business or uh, certainly not a big industry yet by because I would tend to look at yeah, we're, we're definitely yeah. pioneering the, the the foundation of it right now. Yeah, when you when you but so how many employees you have today? I'm just curious to know. Yeah, we're at eight, we're at eight right now. Oh, well, good. That's uh, you're you're starting to break. The next one's ten, and you get from ten, you got to go to hundred. So that's uh, I always talk about adding zeros. So you got some funding, and and how you came about was through my friends at Shark Tank because you that's where you went and. Went and got fifty grand from Mark Cuban. What was that experience like? Uh, it was wild. I it was just as much of an adventure as anything else in my background. Working as a whitewater rafting guide, shooting a big rapid. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite an experience to walk in there and uh, make those sorts of lifelong decisions in a matter of you know minutes, essentially under under bright light and camera. So yeah. That was a great experience, just in and it of itself. But well, I know you went with we Mark, up, Mark Cuban, but who yeah. who else were you impressed with in the in the tank? Uh, you know, they're all they're all fairly impressive in their own regards, for sure. Um, I think I started to real uh, heard you back back in, and he started to see the potential of the industry, and it was kind of fun to watch the wheels turn in his head. As initially, he was like, "I'm out. This is." This is ridiculous. I think that same impression. I'm like, okay, this is a gimmick. And then the more he heard about the feasibility of it, uh, the more he got interested in it. It's kind of it's. They were fairly representative. You know, the five of them sitting in this chair, fairly representative of most people in the U.S. If you take any five people, you know, Robert was immediately 
not into it at all. Like, this is repulsive. And then there was three people on the fence. Like, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. And then, you know, Mark Cuban was really into it. I could see the vision, the future of it. So Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of where those three in the middle are going to (laughs) fall. And was there anybody you said, I don't want to work with them? I mean, and then that you you disclose and say, look, if they, I'm so glad I didn't have to work with that guy. Is there one of those? No, no, not at all. I went in there fairly open-minded. I, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear anyone out, hear, hear what anyone has to say, and mm-hmm. try not to let any preconceived notions get in the way of that. So I'm, I'm happy to have a, a rational discussion with, with anyone. Um, I didn't happen to have that with Kevin O'Leary, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but I gave him a fair shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he would. He's, I know Kevin too, and he's not not always my favorite one on the show. I like him yeah, more personally. Exactly, yeah. As I talk to him one on one, I really, I really do like him. What was the biggest thing that you learned from that experience that you can apply to the business? Um, from that, from going into Shark Tank. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, the big thing to apply, um, you know, it was it, it was. You have that diversity of your audience, and, and my my rationale for starting to pull and, and starting to create an in-tech protein industry may be environmentally focused, maybe 50, 100 years out looking at our food supply and, and wanting to make it healthier, but the, the rationale to invest in the company or to purchase our product can be something completely different, and so it was a learning experience of not needing to market from my internal motivation for the company and, and make market what's more appealing to you know, an investor and what they're personally interested in or a consumer and what they're purchased, interested in personally as far as the nutritional aspects and not to let my influence um, kind of get in the way of, of what the, the market wants to see and what the market is telling us that, yeah. that uh, we need to develop our product around. What to, did did um, let me ask you about the products itself? So you can get it in what form? You get it in the flour, and you can buy bags of flour, and you can get it in protein bars. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we we have the protein bars, and those are distributed internationally. There, we're in about seven hundred retail locations in the U.S. And then the the protein powder and the and a baking flour are available on our website at, at school.com. Okay, and then you just add the powder to say like a drink or to some other recipe that you might do, and or the the powder and the flour. You you, you use the flour just like you would use regular wheat flour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. So a one for one substitute for wheat flour is just a, a high protein version of it. So we we mixed in a recipe of other starches to make it mimic the baking properties of a wheat flour, and then yeah, the protein powder is just. You add to anything that you want to increase the protein of, whether it's your oatmeal in the morning or yeah. a smoothie or a, a drink that you happen to be drinking. How much of this do you drink or eat or eat uh, consume a day? I eat, I eat the bars every day. Yeah. That's pretty much what I have for lunch every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, especially in the R&D kitchen, I'm just regularly sampling everything. Sampling, and so. that yeah. ends up being a meal in itself. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, <laughs> very daily part of my diet what's the best what's the best recipe that you use that you like with the with the flour you know i my my favorite smoothie is always just a, a peanut butter peanut butter banana smoothie peanut butter banana and some almond milk and i throw in the powder to that and that's that's pretty hearty and it'll last me quite a while several hours of, of intense workout or yeah or intense spreadsheet work <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, what what about what's what's the flavors you have on the bars? Because you have a different couple different flavors, right? Yeah, we're you know I want to make that uh, connection between how this is really just a cultural thing why we don't eat insects. So we try to make that connection with our bars. So each flavor is modeled after a region in the world that eats insects. So we have a a Thailand themed just coconut ginger lime. We have a Central Mexico kind of Aztec style, which is dark chocolate coffee and cayenne chili. And we have a, a Japanese version, which is matcha green tea, goji berries, and nori flakes. And then we have, of course, our, our all-American peanut butter and chocolate, which we named after a, a Native American group, the Chaco, that, that used to eat insects regularly before Europeans came over here. Mm. Where were they based? They were in the Colorado River region. You know, it was it's kind of where my home is, so it was a, a pertinent culture. Yeah. Well, this is just, I mean, to me, this has been fascinating. And there's some learnings that everybody will tune in afterwards and get what I learned. And I learned something again today, and, I've, and I always love to, to pick up something, and you help me learn another piece of it. I, I want to touch just briefly a little bit on your personal side, because you do a lot of whitewater rafting, right? So... Um, and I have done a few, little bit of that. I've, I've been on the Ocoee, the Natahewa, the Arkansas, the Snake, the Colorado. I've done those as well uh, over my many years. And what's your favorite river to, to uh, raft? Yeah, those are, those are some great rivers. They are some. Um, you, I, those are, you, you know those are rafting rivers, right? I mean, or, or canoeing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I worked this season on Arkansas. Yeah. I, uh, I, if I have to pick my favorite, it would have to be the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. Yeah. There's, there's no place like it on earth. I haven't done I've that trip. I haven't done that trip oh. through the canyon. Oh yet. man, you got to get down there. No, I want to, and it's you know, but you got to sign up for what seven or fourteen days to do it. So it's uh, but I you do. You do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's remote country out there, so yeah. you can't just be in and out for a day or two. Yeah, one day I'm gonna try to talk my son into going doing that and just doing it. But I mean, that's a seven fourteen days right now. That's a lot of time. So and then I'll have to pack a lot of cricket bars with me. I, you, you will absolutely. If you go with some of the outfits, you'll you'll be stocked with them in your food supply. We got into some of the rations, but uh, I don't know that there's ever been a person that took seven or fourteen days off to do the game and then said, "You know what? I really regret that." Yeah. yeah. Do you do you balance? I I get a sense from looking at your website, Pat, reading a little bit of the stuff and looking at some of the press that you had, and my team did a you know as they always do a great job pulling it together, but. I'm the I'm actually the one that said, saw something that you were doing, and I went, oh man, we got to get this guy on the show. But I I got a sense that you balance your life with your business, meaning it's it 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 really is a sense of like core to who you are, and you I don't think you could separate the two, could you? No, I I don't think so. I, it's certainly on my consciousness of trying to maintain that balance, but it, it's definitely like driving a car on ice where I'll steer way too far in one direction and have to make a pretty corrective action. But mm. So I'll, speaking of spreadsheets, I'll, I'll spend 36 hours in front of some every now and then when I have to and not excited about it, but then try and take some time off to, yeah. to balance that out. But uh, it's a work in progress. Yeah, no pain, no gain, babe. <laughs> 
That's the way it works. That's the way it is in business. Yeah. When you're at the top, you get somebody. In the end, someone's responsible, and you got to make sure. And when you're the boss, that's the way it goes. And you're the CEO. You're the, or I saw the head van driver, I think is what I saw. The, uh, that's right, the head van driver. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, we all know what that means. Hey, it's been a pleasure, Pat. I, I thank you very much, and good luck with this. And I think we'll check back in with you and see how you're doing in another year. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, after the end of every show, I like to think about the things I learned. Okay, so I actually went out and did something, and I tried the product, okay? So I did that after the show. I wanted to do it before, but I didn't get a, the timing wasn't right and so forth, but I did it afterwards. So here's what I, here's what I learned, two things. One, you can't ignore the facts. That was one of the things Pat said. You know, at first blush, we'd all say, hey, come on, crickets, are you freaking nuts? I mean, I'm eating a bug, bugs, bugs, okay? Who eats bugs? The weird guy that we knew down the street, that guy ate bugs, or we made a kid eat bugs, which was even bad. I don't want to get into the whole bullying things, but now we're better. We're more enlightened, but here's the deal, and you can be enlightened from the show because we can't ignore the facts. We got a water problem. We're eating food that we shouldn't be eating. We're, we're, we're eating it farther from the source, which means we make it look like food when it really isn't food. And there's just some things that are just really bad for us. And I really, truly believe getting closer to the source and getting closer to the ground is better. So first blush, we're eating bugs. Are you nuts? The second blush, you can't ignore the facts. And this works. And here's the other one I learned. Hey, this stuff isn't bad. It's pretty good. I tried it. I tried one of the bars. Actually, I tried two of the bars, and I really, truly liked it. So I'm a converter. Let's try this stuff. Come on. Get out there. Live a little bit. Take some risk. Eat a bug. All right, that's it. This is Jeff Hazlett right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on the Play.it CBS Network. And don't forget iTunes and everywhere else. And please, please, please tell a friend. In fact, listen to the show Eat a cricket bar with a friend and then get them to subscribe too. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.